And I mean, I look back like best two years of my life were at LSU, you know, and just had so much fun and football games, camaraderie, like uh, a lot different, a lot different for sure, but it's, it's, it's a good time. Welcome back to another episode of In the Dirt. I'm Alex Malazzo. And I'm Hayden Trevinsky. And today we have a very special guest that many of you are going to know. Uh, Kevin Gosman. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you, man. I, uh, we really appreciate you taking time out your day to come on to the show. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. Um, so I actually got the chance to meet Kevin my freshman year. That, that was during COVID. That's right. Um, so obviously everything shut down and um i think coach maneri called me and uh will harris reached out and said y'all needed catchers um when y'all got back home to keep y'all's arms going because y'all had no idea when y'all were going to go back to baseball and uh coach called me and said yeah will's gonna reach out and he texted me he was like yeah meet me at the u club i was like oh dang all right (laughs) so little did i know i ended up showing up uh, to the U Club, and I was catching you, Will Harris, I think Verdugo was throwing, and maybe one or two other guys, and we we're, were uh, we were doing bullpens in Kevin's backyard uh, during COVID, so that was that was a really cool opportunity. Yeah, we were grinding. I mean, you were grinding more than we were <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we had a mound set up and. Um, yeah, like you said, it was during COVID, so everything was shut down. Didn't really know when we were going to go back to camp, but trying to stay as ready as we could and kind of worked out good for you because you were a freshman. So, um, you know, whereas you maybe not be getting those reps, unfortunately you were getting them in the Louisiana hot sun in June, you know. So, uh, I mean, you were sweating. You were working. Like we were we were throwing balls in the dirt and um, – you know, as I said at the first pitch banquet, there's a lot of baseballs in, in a pond out there somewhere. Like, so, um, you know, but we appreciate that for sure. But I think it, it was good for you, too, also, you know. And oh, yeah. Obviously, I, uh, seeing you around here all the time, too, has definitely helped. Yeah, I it was, uh, it was a big learning experience for me just getting to kind of pick y'all's brains over, you know, that course of time that summer. Uh, and it, I, I got – I had the opportunity to learn a lot just picking your brain, picking Will Harris's brain, uh, you know, the difference between college and pro guys. And uh, that that helped me a lot. And uh, That's a good group to learn from. You mentioned the COVID thing. What was the experience like dealing with the uncertainty? Because I know for us it was just season canceled immediately. For you guys it was we're going to tell you on short notice, yeah. be ready for months and months and months. So what yeah. was that like? Because it was diff- way different for us than, if, than you. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, especially, I mean, I was with the Giants at the time. And, um, I mean, we were in spring training and when COVID happened, you know. And so uh, drove from Arizona all the way back here, uh, left at like 9 at night with my, my daughter. I only had one at, at the time. And she slept the whole drive until we got to like Houston or something. So, you know, that was great. But, yeah, I mean, the uncertainty was crazy just to know that when we do start up, we don't know how long we're going to have to get ready for the actual season. Like, is the season going to be 40 games? Is it going to be 60? Like, they were still kind of trying to work out everything. And 
um, with all the COVID protocols, you know, especially being in San Francisco, when we did go back, I mean, the amount of testing that, you know, and credit to the Giants organization because they did a great job of keeping everybody healthy for the most part. But, you know, when you have guys living in a big city, like things are going to happen. But it was COVID checks every single day, multiple times a day, you know, lots of eating out of plastic Tupperware. And, um, you know, they had to kind of change the layout of the all the clubhouses. Nobody could be right next to each other. We were supposed to wear these things that monitored if we were too close to someone. And, I mean, it was crazy. But when you have a 60-game season and uh, you have the chance to, you know, possibly say you're world champions, even though it is 60 games, you know, those 60 games are super important. So try to do everything to make sure everybody was healthy. But it was a crazy time for sure. And there's going to be, you know, documentaries about it in at some point of COVID in sports because it was, it was crazy. It felt like we were living in a movie during that time. Like, it wasn't real. It still doesn't feel – it just feels like a blip in time. Yeah, how weird was it playing in empty stadiums with just cardboard cutouts? And, like, say, you yeah. can hear everything. <laughs> Did it bring you like, back to your to your inner squad days of just grinding it out here in the fall? Well, no, because even the inner squad is – Oh, yeah. So that's the luxury of being at LSU, right? You're always playing in front of somebody. Yeah, that's true. But – yeah, it was weird. Uh, it was kind of crazy for me because I actually had pitched in a game with no fans before in the big leagues. So when I was with Baltimore, um, there was riots that happened. Oh, so right. we played in front of no fans against the Chicago White Sox. And I pitched one inning in that game. And it was crazy because this was before we ever thought we wouldn't play in front of anyone, especially in a big league stadium. Like big league stadiums are huge. Yeah. There's no ushers. There's no nobody. So you're hearing the umpires talk to each other. You're hearing a lot of stuff that you don't normally hear. I, I feel like that would incite more drama because then you can hear the chirps. Oh, yeah. You can hear a lot everything. Of, yeah, there was a lot of chirping going on. But everybody, like, we would get double fined if we went on the field because we'd be getting in close, close contact with other people. So oh, nobody was like, you know, I mean, 60 games, like everybody's trying to get their paycheck, you know. Like yeah. you only got 60 games. So um, nobody was trying to mess up for sure. Well, going back, so obviously we talked about the COVID, but taking you back to your college days, uh, you know, I had the chance growing up here to watch you pitch here, which was awesome, and um, got just had the opportunity to make a lot of games being so close. Uh, and I remember a big thing when you were pitching here was your superstitions, and one of them was eating the – Four powdered donuts, I think, in between innings. It was three, but yeah. Three, three yeah. powdered donuts. Yeah. And then you also had a sock deal. Can you talk a little bit about that and um, kind of what was behind your mind and doing those things and what have you kept with you going forward? I guess I can understand wise. the powdered donut one, but the sock one, when I heard that, <laughs> I was just so confused. Yeah, the sock one's weird. I, I really... It's just so ingrained now that I do it without even thinking. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I've always been super superstitious. Like, I jump over the line every time I go on or off the field. Never going to step on the line. Like, you'll never see that happen. Um, but, and so just all those little things that over the years now I've been doing this for, you know, 12 years in the big leagues now. So it's like second nature. Start day, this is what I'm doing, like, I know, you know, three hours out what I start doing until, 
the game starts, you know. But, yeah, back then, I mean, uh, I think I was nine or nine or ten, and I was pitching in a game, and um, I didn't need anything before the game. So I told my mom to pick me up something on the way. And you know, my mom picked up powdered donuts, which is kind of crazy to think. Like, what is she? what is she thinking, you know? Like, what are you doing, Mom? But – she picked up powdered donuts, and I pitched the best game of my life up to that point that day, eating powdered donuts in between innings. And then it just kind of st- stuck, and and I did it through high school. I did it through college, and I got into pro ball my first year, and, and uh, Brady Anderson, who was, like, high up in the Orioles organization at the time, was, like, big health guy. Uh, he was like, you can't do this. Like, this is not sustainable, you know, like – um, and so I kind of stopped it. I don't, I don't do it anymore, obviously. I was about but to say hostess could throw you a check for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got some, I've got some free merch from hostess okay, over good, the years good. for sure. Cause it always comes up. Um, yeah. But when I made my debut, I actually debuted in Toronto and they don't have hostess in Canada. So one of our outfielders, Adam Jones at the time, uh, went and got tasty cakes, which is a big brand up in Canada and, and, Filled my entire locker from head to toe with <clears throat> powdered donuts, tasty cakes, powdered donuts. And so that was kind of a cool thing because he had actually done it in spring training my first day too, um, obviously with Hostess because we were down in Florida. But um, that, was, that was a cool day, like walk in, see all these donuts, you know, know that I'm pitching that day and um, kind of a cool thing to look at, look back at now. But I found that pitchers, like just me catching – a lot of pitchers over the years, I found pitchers are more superstitious than anybody else. Like certain cleats, certain pants, whatever, undershirt, stuff like that. I know Hayden's got a superstition. He eats a cheeseburger before every game. A cheeseburger. And in between innings. I don't know where you got that. <laughs> in between innings. <laughs> a whole burger. <laughs> so you mentioned the Hostess Donuts. That tradition stopped. But you said the sock thing has become second nature, just a habit as you've gone along your career. But what other routines have you stuck to? Like, is it does it change day to day? Is there days where obviously you don't have as much time? You got to shorten your routine. How does that work for you and your preparation? Yeah, I mean, honestly, every I wouldn't say every starts different, but you go on kind of how you feel. Obviously, I have things that I do every every time, every day. Um, you know, my time that I start my preparation you know, is, is always an hour and a half pregame, you know, an hour and 35 minutes pregame. And then I kind of backtrack from there. And, and uh, I mean, I know within 10 minutes, like, what I got to be doing. I account for getting stretched in the training room and account for all these different things. And um, want to start throwing 25 minutes before game time. Um, you know, a, a different thing with Toronto is we have two anthems. So it just takes up a little bit more time. So you got to account for that. Um, you know, and, and sometimes those anthems take a long time. So um, sometimes you're just sitting there for five, six minutes, you know, uh, that you didn't account for. So, um, you know, it's like anything, the more prepared you are for, for um, things that you might not expect, uh, they're not going to throw you off as much, you know. And um, each time you pitch in the postseason for the first time, you realize that that's just a little bit different, especially if you're – starting the game there's just so much going on pre-game there's people on the field um the the flag takes up the whole field now you know so all these different things that um the game times in the postseason are really different than the regular season you usually have 
you know, five, six times during the regular season and it doesn't change. And in the postseason, they have games at 4.13 p.m., you know, and just just weird times. Um, and it's all about TV. So your breaks in between innings are longer. So you just kind of got to know those things going in. And the first time that you get there and kind of do it, um, you're more prepared for it the next time. Um, I mean, you can see it a lot with young guys. They get in the postseason for the first time, and the cameras kind of – you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're used to playing in front of big crowds, but the crowds are different in the postseason. You know, everybody's – they're making an announcement before the game, like, hey, we're about to go live to T- on TBS to the whole – you know, the whole world, like, go crazy. And then this, the, everybody in the stands goes nuts. So it's just a little bit different, you know. People are obviously more invested in the game, um, which is crazy because we played 162 up to that point. So it's like – Sometimes it can kind of be a little bit of a shell shock that that can happen. But, um, yeah, and, I mean, you're always changing on how you feel, you know. Like, post-start, you're always changing based on how how your body feels, what it's telling you, like how much time off you need to take. Maybe I shouldn't throw today. Maybe I should throw a lighter pin in between this turn. Like, you're always kind of nitpicking things and – but you definitely have certain things that you do every every five days, every three days, you know. When you throw, every pitcher is different, I feel like, and we get the chance to see it, especially coming off the field, trying to make adjustments with pitchers in between innings. Are you a guy that is super locked in, super focused, as in like uh, some, some pitchers can be rude about it, like leave me the hell alone, <laughs> which is fine. Do what you got to do. Are you wh- – where do you fall in that? Um. I'd say I'm definitely the most intense when I'm pitching. Um, but I'm not going to be a, a jerk to my catcher ever, yeah. you yeah. know. Like, that's just not that's just not me. Um, but, I, yeah, I've definitely seen some guys, like, you just don't talk to. Yeah, you can't. Um, some guys, even their whole start day, like, you don't even look at them. Like, don't look at them or else, like, <laughs> you know, you might hear about it the next day. And so um, you kind of know those guys going in. But, you know, that's what changes when you get to – Pro ball is you start dealing with a lot of guys from all over the world. That actually rolls really well into the the next part. Um, as you go through the ranks, the the relationship between pitcher and catcher becomes more influential and more important for you. How does that from college to pro ball to the big leagues? How does that kind of evolve? Yeah, I mean, in in the minor leagues, um, you're going to deal with a lot of different catchers. Um, like I said, you're, you're also on the other side. You're going to have catchers that don't speak the same language as you. So you kind of got to be able to explain, like, hey, this is where I like you to set up. And sometimes you literally have to get down in your stance and tell them kind of like, hey, when I'm throwing a breaking ball, O2, like be in the other batter's box, you know. But if they don't speak the language, they're not going to understand. So you kind of have to explain it a little bit. So, um, yeah, and that definitely changes. But – it's cool. I mean, I was lucky enough. I my catcher that caught my first Double A start caught me a lot in the big leagues, and so we kind of came up together. That was Caleb Joseph, and so you know we became really good friends. And and that relationship of knowing that someone's you know you know similar face, yeah, yeah, and like the, you know in your trench with you, like wants you yeah. to do well. The biggest difference is probably just dealing with people from all over the world. As opposed to, you know, at LSU, you pretty much have everybody here, you know, speaks speaks the same language as you, is around your same age, too. So you can, 
you know, you guys are going through the same phase of your life. Whereas yeah. you get to the big leagues, um, you know, I remember getting to the big leagues my first week asking guys like, hey, you want to go to dinner? And they're like, I got to go home to my wife and kids, you know. And that was crazy to me and at the time, and now that's me, you know. Um, and so it's, it's funny, but uh, you don't think about those things that then, but, you know, now looking back, for sure, definitely that's, that's an element that you don't think about. Yeah, uh, transit making that transition from a place like LSU and then going to the minors and then obviously having the career you've had, how has your time here in front of our fans, you know, like you said, dealing with TV breaks, a lot of guys probably haven't dealt with that until they got to the big leagues. You got to experience that here. How was your time just in general from this program to your transition how did this program help prepare you for what you were getting yourself into? Oh, man, it prepared me so much, not just for baseball, but life in general. Um, I think I tell everybody, like, you got to go to college, you yeah. know, uh, unless you're just so polished and you just want to start your career, which I, I understand there's a lot of guys who want to do that. But if you have any question about should I go to college, like, go to college because it, it's going to make you – you're going to get better at what your craft is. You know, you're going to do – if you're a catcher, you're going to do more catching stuff than you've ever done in your life, and you're going to get a lot better. Um, if you have a weakness on the hitting side, like, you're you're going to work on that weakness, and that, you know, you're not just going to worry, work on your strengths, which you pretty much do when you're in high school. Um, but at the next level, you got to be able to do more than just one one tool. you got to be able to have multiple tools as a position player. As a pitcher, you have to have multiple pitches, and so – um, yeah, but I mean, my time here, I think the biggest thing for me was, uh, the reason I came here was, you know, if my goal was to pitch in front of 40,000 eventually, which is, you know, every kid's dream, uh, you know, our goal as kids, like we don't necessarily think about playing at college. We think about like game seven of the world series, you know, like that's what we're thinking about in the backyard, like in, in all realities. Right. Um, but I always thought coming to the school that had the most fans in the country was definitely going to prepare me more for that next big jump of going from, you know, playing in front of 15,000 here to, you know, 25 and then 30 and, and 40 sometimes in the big leagues. And so I think if you sometimes if, you know, and then in the minor leagues, you, there's just not that many fans in the minor leagues compared to the big leagues. So, um, I mean, my first pro start, like, they asked me how nervous I was after. I was like, there's nobody here. Like, the last game I pitched before this was at LSU, and there was, you know, 14,000. People were losing their mind. Um, so, like, I was pretty calm. You know, I was pretty collected. Like, um, whereas here, obviously, like, the atmosphere is amazing, and especially, uh, you know, a super regional, which that was, um, it was crazy. But those things definitely prepared me more for – kind of being in the in the limelight and yeah like you said the media aspect too um you know I had media training when I was here at OSU that at the time you know I didn't realize how big it was going to be for me um and now looking back I realize how how great that was that they did that for everybody to just kind of get them more prepared for when someone puts a camera or a mic in your face yeah I, I definitely think uh this place is like no other when it comes to, I don't want to say a stepping stone, but like the next step in your career or anybody, any young guy's career, like 
it does there's no other place like this in the country that can prepare you for those next steps in your life but uh, also I wanted to ask you about your decision to stay here in Louisiana even though you know you're with the Blue Jays in Toronto um, just what what kind of went into your decision and your family's decision obviously that's a big piece in your life but what made y'all's decision to stay here yeah I mean honestly my first off season I was uh always coming back I just started dating a girl from Lake Charles that was at LSU and um I was coming back every weekend I felt like to either come for a football game or you know to to see her and so um it was kind of just you know it just kind of made sense they had just built the the weight room here and so um, we could finally kind of train train here. And so, um, you know, it, it just kind of made more sense for me. I wanted to do more outside. Um, you know, where I grew up, Denver, like, can't really do much in the off season. So once I started playing golf, too, I was like, all right, you know, it's it's 80 degrees in December, you know. it's that's You don't get that where I grew up. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, the biggest part is my family, um, my, my wife being from Lake Charles, wanting to be home uh, close to her parents, close to her family. So, um, you know, we, we see a lot of people who come back from LSU. That's the cool thing about being part of a university is even if you had friends who came to LSU from Texas or Mississippi or Florida, they always come back at some point, whether for a football game or, you know, uh, an event that LSU has going on. So um, that's always cool to see old teammates, old, you know, college friends, um, but yeah, it's just uh, it just kind of made more sense for me to be here um, than it did back home. Yeah, that's been the coolest part is watching guys that came through this program, and you know whether they had a short career or long career, it seems like most everybody ends up coming back to Baton Rouge and starting their you know job career here and ma- establishing Baton Rouge as their home, which is uh, I think that says a lot about this place. Yeah, I think it says a lot about the university, too, um, overall. You know, um, you meet a lot of people when you're here. And so, yeah, when you're done, you know, um, I haven't found out yet, but I'm when, when I'm done playing, uh, I'm for sure going to use those relationships a lot more. I just can't. In my head, I've been thinking, what like, what was AD's reaction to the donuts? It's just been sticking with me, <laughs> and I just can't. Well, yeah, AD didn't like it too much. He always kind of would look down towards the end of the dugout and kind of give me a weird look. But um, that was his first year here. So he was still kind of like, you know, feeling out what he could tell guys and what he couldn't. Um, but, yeah, I think if I would have came back for my soft, or my, my, my junior year, I think he would have he been like, all right, let's get rid of this. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Obviously, as a veteran player and yourself and – being around the game for so long, uh, would you have any advice for, you know, guys like me and Hayden going into our last year here at LSU? And, um, yeah, I guess a little bit of wisdom you can you can share. I mean, I would just say have as much fun as you possibly can because if you do start this as a career, um, you know, it's great. It's a dream come true, obviously. Uh but it's a lot different than playing here. You know, you this is really the last time where you're playing with a, a room full of friends, you know. Um, people that, you know, like I said, are going through the same life phase as you. Um, you can kind of relate to them a lot more. Um, 
you go through the grind of, you know, Omaha Challenge and all the cool things that you do in the fall together. And so it's a unique bond that you're going to have with these guys. You know, I'm a lot closer even, even now than with my college teammates than, you know, those are some of my best friends still. So you go through uh, things here um, as a group that, you know, and I wasn't here for a national championship, so I'm sure it's even even more so for you guys. Um, you know, the memories that you're going to share with these guys. So I would just say cherish the time that you have left. And, um, you know, you guys understand how awesome it is to be here. So just kind of relish in that, you know, and, and uh, um, understand that it's a unique opportunity. And so just have as much fun with it as you can and go out and play and, you know, leave it all out there. Who did you room with while you were here? I'm assuming you room with teammates. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, my freshman year was Ty Ross, uh, Nick Rumbelow, and myself. And then my sophomore year was Jacoby Jones and Rafe Rhymes. Oh, okay. That's a good group. Yeah. All great people. So, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, I mean, I look back, like, best two years of my life were at LSU. You know, and just had so much fun. And um, football games, camaraderie, like, uh, a lot different. Uh, different for sure but it's 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 a good time we'd like to thank our very special guest kevin gosman today for joining the show um me and i want to wish you the best of luck this upcoming season and uh yeah we couldn't be happier to have you thank you guys thanks for having me you guys too go get them go back to back go tigers, tigers. Go tigers.